What up, Doc? Holy buckets, pasty. I'm going it's, to Albuquerque. I'm telling you what, everything has gone crazy. Essential checks are flying into people's hands. Essential employees are getting axed. Essential employees are working. Essential stay-at-homers are sitting on the couch jerking off. It's a fucking wild world out there, and um, it's literally the exact same as it was two, three, four weeks ago, isn't it? Yeah, yep, yep, it is. Uh, favorite meme I saw today. Imagine months ago somebody telling you that the government was going to pay you to sit home for the entire month of 420, and you can only leave your house to go to the grocery store or pick up weed. <laughs> Right. Uh, that's good stuff. But then you can't spend it with your homies. Right, right. Because you got to be six feet apart. Gotta get on How are you going to pass Zoom that call, fucking boy? Blunt? Let's all get on Zoom. Start a group chat. And have our identities <sighs> stole, sold on the black market for pennies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if COVID in- invented Zoom or what, but I had never heard of this shit until this came <laughs> out, and now everybody's using it. And I'm like, I'm thinking of this the same way I think of FaceTime. Uh, Doesn't all these people have Facebook? Why don't you just use Facebook exactly, video? Exactly. Or it does the same or, thing. Or it's a higher quality. Yeah. Skype is a good one, too. But even, I mean, you and I have, have done Skype and Facebook video, and I think we can both say Facebook video is higher quality, isn't it? More reliable? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Zoom and the schools push it. Like, all the school, like, the teachers want to meet with the kids or the specialists want to meet with the kids, and they want to do Zoom. And all I've been hearing is Zoom is unsafe. It's unstable. Anybody can drop into your call with their cock wangling out. Uh, and and now, now this week I, I found out that people's identities and, and emails and passwords are being sold on the black market who use Zoom. So I emailed the school. I'm like, hey, remember three <laughs> weeks ago when I said I wasn't sure about this? Well, here's the article that proves that we're not using this anymore <laughs> it's funny last last week i was overheard somebody talking on the phone and they were saying oh i was gonna say we could zoom each other doing it but you don't have zoom and i looked right at him and i said both of you have facebook right well Dude, yeah but we don't want to type it out my phone, I, was like, I can make a phone call and turn my camera on and have a yeah. phone call with camera it's like, like what is this uh, you sheep, you fucking sheep, back away from your, zoom out from the zoom, yeah. you fucking sheep, and yes, any, I'm talking to everybody listening, all of you fuckers that use zoom are fucking sheep, go, go jump off of a cliff like a goddamn lemming, right. and use something real, oh my gosh, <laughs> um, what something the fuck was this about? through and tested, <laughs> and it's been around for years, not the first big thing that comes out after coronavirus. Or something that just fucking works, how about? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Use oh TikTok. We know TikTok works. TikTok works. We've been trying to get rid of it forever. <laughs> it used to be called something else, and they did get rid of it, and then it became TikTok. What did it used to be called? Do you uh, remember? What, eggplant? No. <laughs> Um, I, I can't remember. God, I don't know. It was, what, it was the big thing at the videos. time. And then yeah. they got rid of it because it was hard because, you know, Oh, Oh, this dude. And they literally just renamed themselves and everybody loved it again. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. This time with copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah, of course you gotta have that. <laughs> uh, if we can't get rid- away with it on podcasts, you shouldn't be able to on your app. That's all. I'm <sighs> Whoo. Hoo-wah! Oh, it's been fun though. It's been well, good. It's, it's been great. Been a it's, wild uh, fucking ride. It's it's been fun. I'm, I'm I'm one of the few people apparently that when I look at social media, I'm like, I don't know that the only thing, literally the only thing that's changed for me, 
is I can't go in and order food because I rarely came in and sat down. At least fast food. I didn't go in and sit down. I took yeah. it to go all the time. A restaurant I would. And the, the places that I do go, most of them just have a big plexiglass fucking thing in front of them. Please Which is like it. if you lived – yeah, if you lived in any – like metro area oh, yeah. like yeah. that's normal anyways yeah. so hood gas stations there it's like that's like nothing's changed i i work 6 days a week i work over 60 hours still i go out and walk i do i talk to people i give hugs i give kisses i sh- shake hands i i literally had somebody today we we accidentally touched hands i'm not going to explain the scenario I'm not going to explain it and he was like, oh, sorry about the hand, dude. What the fuck? You just touched my hand. He was like, he was like extremely homophobic. I know he wasn't. It was a COVID thing. But it's like, what have we come to that like you can't accidentally touch somebody else's pinky and be offended? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Uh... What about What about all those poor Japanese women that let 75 men jerk off into their mouths? They never I don't got think COVID. In business right now. <laughs> well, they never got COVID, not once. Hello. They they got my load a couple of times, but you know, I was desperate and needed money and they paid good for that. There you go. I mean, better than the sperm bank, right? Way now, better. At least this way, you know you won't have any kids out there. Exactly. She swallowed it all. I watched her. She swallowed it. Oh, pasty, pasty, pasty. We, I think we got a fun show, don't we? We have more yeah. news than I ever expected for hey, today. Hey, and we brought back a top ten to distract you from the chaos around you. Exactly. But to keep a little stability, we still have a This Week in Pro Wrestling History pasty. We can't get away with that. I can't wait for, for five years from now when we look back on This Week in Pro Wrestling <laughs> History. This oh, is boy. definitely going on this week in pro wrestling Black history. Wednesday. Maybe next maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. But um to take your minds off all of this crap, we're going 23 years back in the way back machine on April oh, 13th. I, I hope so because that was a good time. Yeah. 1997 was one of the Heyday years for old fat Mac. We just starting to worry about Y2K. And it was also the heyday for uh, ECW, which made its pay-per-view debut with the barely legal pay-per-view from the ECW arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 1,170 people were in attendance. That's 1,170 with approximately 104,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. Although that number gets debated and it gets way deflated and way inflated, but most people agree on about 104,000 homes. I think it was 104 million. (laughs) It was a show, though, Pacey, that almost never was. In fact, six months earlier... Video surfaced of the mass transit incident, which, uh, by the way, first I'll put a, a little note in. Watch the uh, dark side of the ring on New Jack for more on that. Yeah. Two, I also want to put in that back in my day as a uh, youngin, oh, I was probably 13 at this time, that was one of my most coveted tape trading tapes. And I actually traded that, I remember. I traded that for the finals of the FMW Cactus Jack and Terry Funk uh, match. Mm. 
way back in the day when tape trading was fun and you dealt with a lot of perverts on a brand new internet. It was really cool. <laughs> um, so I, I always I remember that one. a little too young for that era. <laughs> Right? Oh, that was so fun. I wish... Uh, that's besides the point. But anyways, uh, and I do recommend Dark Side of the Ring New Jack episode. I, yes. I, that's the best, in my opinion, the best one they've done so far. Uh, pay-per-view companies, though, expressed their concerns over the incident, and all three major pay-per-view outlets at the time, which were Premiere, Request TV, and Viewer's Choice, chose not to carry the pay-per-view originally scheduled for December. Although Request would reverse the decision, but under certain conditions, including pushing the scheduled start time to 9 p.m., multiple commentators, an advanced script of the show, and, quote, no excessive bleeding. Portions of the event, including a pre-show speech by ECW owner at the time, Paul Heyman, was filmed for the Beyond the Mat documentary. So when you sit and think that 104,000 homes watched it on pay-per-view and then you think only one pay-per-view company carried them and they put all these strings on it, that's pretty solid for their first pay-per-view. Oh, yeah, yeah. If if I was a hardcore ECW fan at the time and I had the money and I heard they were going to limit the amount of bleeding on the pay-per-view, I probably wouldn't have got it. But then again, the internet was brand new and... We probably weren't communicating the same way we are today. Yeah, we wouldn't have found out until the um, Observer came out afterwards, probably. So I know everybody's thinking, well, what was on that pay-per-view? Well, just fucking go watch it on the network. I ain't here to tell you (laughs) stories. What the fuck? All right, all right, all right, I'll tell you. Anyways, so uh, Luis Piccoli, rest in peace, had a dark match, and he defeated Balls Mahoney, rest in peace. Um, I'm not going to rest in peace everyone on here because it'd take up the whole time. But Yeah, this is ECW we're talking about. Exactly. Um, on the main on the main roster, or the main show, we had the Eliminators. Some of you might know them as Perry Saturn and John Cronus. A very, very underrated tag team that probably, now that I'm looking at this, didn't Should've think about it. Should have been on the list. But you know what? We, we made the list. We're sticking with Who it. Who was Perry Saturn um, tag teaming with in WWE? Oh, well, he was part of the Radicals with uh, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and Dean okay. Lincoln. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he was also part of Raven's Flock in WCW, which included uh, Billy Kidman, um, Sick Boy, Scotty Riggs, Lodi, uh, a lot of them. Some good names. <laughs> Sick Boy, Lodi. <laughs> <laughs> Reese, Reese was in there. Reese. That's a fucking name. I mean, it is a name. Anyways, uh, so the Eliminators defeated the Dudley boys, of course, Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley, and they won the ECW Tag Team Championships from them. Rob Van Dam defeated Lance Storm, who as of right now is really fucking feeling shitty. The Great Sasuke and Gran Hamada and Masato Yakasuji defeated the Blue World Order Japan, which was consisting of Takamichinuku, Terry Boy and Pasty White's favorite Dick to Go. <laughs> That's his favorite Chinese. Why isn't take that out. an app? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, isn't it called uh, Tinder or not Tinder? What's it called? Uh, uh, Splinter. Um, uh, uh, God, what's uh, it called? Uh, 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 you know what it's called. Uh, Shane Douglas defeated Pitbull th- number two to retain the ECW World Television Championship. Our boy Taz defeated... There it is. Grinder, that's what it is. It's a TH. It's a TH, (laughs) Grinder. 
And the THC. You're, you're thinking of the THC in the grinder. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're at. Yeah, gotta make those connections. Get We've close seen that special day. The wild man Taz defeat the homicidal, genocidal, suicidal Sabu bite submission. Basically, I bet you could never guess what that submission hold was. Uh, Sabu submission. No, Why would Taz, Taz beat mission. him with Sabu? No, the sorry. Taz mission. Yes. You're good. I was looking elsewhere um, on the page and my mind wandered for a second. We've seen the, I, the hardcore icon Terry Funk <sighs> defeat the Sandman and Stevie Richards in a three-way dance to earn the ECW World Heavyweight Championship match. And Terry Funk then went on to defeat Raven after earning that chance in the match earlier to win the actual ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, very good pay-per-view. I remember it fondly. I did order it as a kid. I uh, also actually have a recorded copy on VHS, which I don't know why I keep those things, but I still do. And you can find it on the WWE Network. I strongly recommend it. Uh, Pasty, any memories of 97 ECW? Uh, probably not. <laughs> okay. I didn't, I didn't, I think the first time I heard of ECW or actually got to watch ECW was probably One Night Stand. Oh, but not a, not a bad way to start. No, no. Great way to start. It made me want to watch more, but I didn't have access to the interwebs and, and lived in a tiny town in the middle of nowhere, so that wasn't really a possibility. We didn't have the WWE Network back then. We do now, and we still don't use it much. <laughs> At least I don't. <laughs> I, I just watched it uh, yesterday. Yesterday. Nice. You know what else is nice, pasty, is a fresh, is a fresh pair of panties, in a in a parking lot, just waiting, just a used fresh pair of panties waiting for you. Yeah. I went with Klondike Bill to Savannah, Georgia. From the time we pulled out of the ballpark until the time we got to Savannah, Bill talked about one thing, and that was pussy. That's all he talked about. And he talked about how he liked it, and he told me all the stories about getting the kibasi. And taking the kibasi and, and burning it under hot water so it wouldn't be so you got out of the fridge and it wouldn't be so cold and how he ate it in the morning and how he used to, you know, eat girls' pussies for like uh, hours upon hours and he said I had a girl pass out on. So anyway, and that was also the the day that we came back that night and there were panties in the in the parking lot and we only had the lights of the truck. I said Bill, look at panties. He got out of the truck and he walked over to it. He picked him up. He looked at him. He showed him to me in the light and he just stuck him in his mouth and went, rah, 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 rah. I wish your pussy was attached to this. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> uh, that's the best part of it. <laughs> the sound effects that that's, Tony that's makes of him chewing on him. That the parking lot panties has come up in a JRR. Oh, it's, it's, you gotta love parking lot panties. <laughs> He'd you gotta love it in the fridge and things. save it for morning. <laughs> Damn, it's good stuff. Yeah. It's good stuff. We like it. <laughs> oh, I, I wish I wish I would have been around to party with that son of a bitch. <laughs> or at least, if nothing else, at least have some uh, fresh kielbasa in the morning at his house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> at very least, uh, fuck it. There you go. Does that count as a threesome? I don't know if it counts as a threesome, <laughs> but it's definitely a hell of a tag teaming, Pasty. Yes, we love our tag teams. 
especially the ones that are overlooked by so many. And the ones that are under panties. I mean, underrated. <laughs> uh, I think we got a really solid list here. Um, we each pick six, and then we shot one of each other's choices in the head. Oh, no! Multiple times, full clip, just... Doo, 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 doo. And then uh, we smash together two lists to make one list, and we have a top ten! Been a while. And, Pasty, I think we need to go from the bottom up ten to one. Oh, I know I'm the, I'm the one that wrote it, and I wrote it one to ten. And um, just because I literally wrote it on here, what, 20 minutes ago. This happens every time we ago, do a top so. ten, and I'm the <laughs> It's all good. Uh... I suppose you want to bring it in. I will. Uh, I'll bring it in with the team known as Legacy, and that was a team composed of Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes. They were prominent in the WWE. Of course, I mean, why are they an underrated tag team? Well, you got the son of Dusty Rhodes, the son of the Million Dollar Man. Do I need to say more? Right. But. I'm finna say more. So you also have the rub of having Randy Orton in their corner at the height of his run. Because Randy Randy Orton was kind of the, uh, he was the Ric Flair of the group. The guy that was kind of the single star while these two went off and did their tag team stuff. We all know what Cody has gone on to do. Huge things. I mean, awesome, amazing stuff. But at the time, it was actually DiBiase who most expected to be the breakout star. Mm-hmm. No, no pun intended, star. <laughs> <laughs> and that's me included. I was really thought that he could be something big. They were two-time tag team champions in WWE. By the time it all crumbled down, Ted ended up leaving wrestling altogether, and Cody ended up in a series of schlocky gimmicks that he oh, made the, the best out of. mask? Yeah, oh, yeah. So pretty. pretty what was that? Pretty Cody Rhodes? Yeah. yeah. Put bags over everybody in the audience's head near ringside. He he made the best out of all the crap they oh, yeah. gave him. Yeah. And um, but then we all know he went on to help uh, co-found AEW with the Young Bucks and uh, Kenny Omega and Let's Tony Khan and NWA Championship. For a cup of coffee, he sure yes, as hell did. Did did his daddy proud. He sure did. Uh, next up on the list, Pasty, uh, is a group that maybe a lot of people listening to this have never even heard of, and that group is Chronic. I know Pasty's heard of Chronic. Oh, every day. Chronic consisted of Brian Adams and Brian Clark. Now, in WCW, they were Brian Adams of the NWO and Wrath, but if you knew them from their WWF days... Brian Adams was Demolition Crush, and Brian Clark was, um, oh, not Meltdown. What was he? Um, I, I can't think of his name. It was, it was a nuclear gimmick. Something like Meltdown. Anyways, both just big, badass, uh, underrated wrestlers, in all honest. Two underrated, underappreciated singles wrestlers. They came together, but they came together pasty at a bad time. This was 2000 WCW. Not a good time to do Ah, anything. Right. And then after they uh, started getting some momentum, somebody there, bro, thought that they could adopt an APA ripoff gimmick 
as the company died. But in all honesty, they did a decent, albeit watered-down version job of their APA gimmick. They did end up going to WWF when they were bought out, but they were victims of the, uh, quote, kill-all-WCW talent initiative that Vince had at the time. Of course. Afterwards, they also had success in All Japan winning tag titles from the legends Kijimuto, known as the Great Muda in the States, and Teokai. So they went on to, to good things afterwards. Um, nowadays, neither one is involved in wrestling. That would make sense. Around that time, you were putting a lot of damage on your body. And a name like Demolition Crush, Wrath, you gotta assume <laughs> they put themselves through hell. Right. Coming in at number eight, we've got the tandem duo of Joey Mercury and Johnny Nitro with their manager, Molina. That's Eminem, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Johnny Nitro. You, you, you know him as Johnny every other thing you could imagine. <laughs> uh, he tag teams with The Miz now and is your WWE Tag Team Champion. I don't remember which brand. It doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> no, I, I honestly think it does not matter at all. Uh, they were... A great heel tag team. I remember as an adolescent hating them so much. But then there was Melina. (laughs) (laughs) You can't hate Melina. Right. And of course, Joey Mercury went on to become Seth Rollins, uh, one of Seth Rollins' security in J&J Security with Jamie Noble, who's another very underrated star that I loved from back in the day. It wasn't much more than a character. No, and he also went on to become a a hell of a producer backstage at WWE for many, many, many years, who may or may not, uh, we'll get into that later also. A couple people people we're talking about right now maybe having bad days ahead. Yeah, yeah, a lot of of stuff. But uh, they they were a solid tag team, and they've been one that is rarely ever recognized but never leaves my mind for long. And so I had to contribute them to this list for that. And their costumes were impeccable. I I would actually, uh, I would actually add a little hyperbole to that and say not just a solid tag team. I thought they were an amazing tag team, especially with Molina as their manager. Um, which just adds to the case of them being just super underrated. Yes. 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 I suppose I can come in with number seven. They're a tag team that I've rarely seen wrestle on television myself. But as a young lad playing WWF No Mercy with my best friend, we often team together as the tag team of the Headbangers, Thrash and Mosh. And uh, I think for the just for the fact that they have transcended and, and remained a part of my lifestyle... Even though I don't recall watching them wrestle much, I think that's a big thing. They were a good gimmick for the time, but uh, probably doomed by that gimmick at the same time. Oh, they were a super fun gimmick. Uh, I do remember them. I I remember them from watching them live. And at the time, I was not into grunge. 
and I wasn't a big fan of theirs, going back and watching them, not only was their gimmick uh, very unique for th- for the time period outside of like ECW and the independents, mm. there was nobody in WWF or WCW doing that kind of stuff, but their work was super solid. They were uh, tag team champions one time, and they actually, after leaving WWF in the kind of bastardized NWA that was still left around after WCW kind of kicked both their knees out of them, won the NWA Tag Team Champions uh, championships as well, other, as well as many other independent championships. So it's uh, it's cool. And you had mentioned before we started that I had forgot they made that uh, reappearance back in 2000, uh, 2016. Yeah, there you go. Just kind of out of nowhere in a, a, in a tag team championship tournament. They lost in the first round, but it was cool to see them. Like. Yep. I, I, had, I had thought for a minute maybe they were back for a run. No, that didn't last. <laughs> but it was good to see them again. It was, it was great mine would be them in their prime versus the Briscoes now. You know what? I, I think that would be a really fun match. Yes. Like, the in-ring work would be really good. But I think the gimmicks and the promos leading up and just all around, I think that would be pretty fun. Yeah. And then coming in at number six is a stunning tag team seeing the likes of one Steve Austin and the late Brian Pillman tag teaming together as the Hollywood Blondes in WCW. They're the one non-WWF WWE tag team that I picked. <laughs> because... Technically, this was a pretty big launching point for Old Stone Cold's career. And Brian Pillman, it was a pretty big launching point for his downward spiral. But the rise of his prodigal son. Oh, good. I mean, you just say the names Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, and you're just talking about bona fide Hall of Famers. Now, go back to 1993, and I think a lot of people listening to us, Pacey, don't realize that before Stone Cold Steve Austin had so many knee injuries and then, of course, Owen Hart's uh, breaking of his neck, yeah. he was actually a grappler. Yep. Like, he, he was a brawler when he became Stone Cold Steve Austin. But back in 93 in NWA, this guy wrestled. Yep, the, brawling, the brawler end of Stone Cold was completely out of necessity if he wanted to continue doing what he wanted to do. Oh, 100. And you got Brian Pillman, who could not only wrestle but was a high flyer. These guys, they won NWA and WCW Tag Team Championships. They, they main-evented Clash of Champions, which was the, uh, the free on-TV WrestleMania for... NWA at the time. They also joined the uh, stud stable with uh, Colonel Parker, in which um, you've seen people like the uh, Diamond Stud, Diamond Dallas Page, uh, Vinny Vegas. For those of you who don't know, Diamond Stud is Razor Ramon. Vinny Vegas is uh, Kevin Nash. They really, these two guys... We're, from what I've heard, I, I've watched or I've listened to the uh, Bruce Pritchard something to wrestle with about Brian Pillman, and it was said that 
Stone Cold was told he was going on to be a single star and win the um, the U.S. championship, and then one day Brian Pillman came up to him and said, "Hey, buddy, we got to come up with a finishing move." And he said, "What?" And I think that's where the "what" came from. What? He's like, "Yeah, for our match tonight, we're teaming, and we're doing house shows together." What? <laughs> and. Uh, the rest is history. They ended up becoming an amazing tag team. They made the best out of what Stone Cold thought was a bad deal at the beginning. And it has been said not only that Brian Pillman. Steve Austin there, though. He still had to run through the ringmaster. That's true. <laughs> but it's been said that Brian Pillman is one of only a handful of people that Stone Cold trusts and... For those of you who may have noticed, when Stone Cold was wrestling, he always wrestled with a gold chain necklace. And Brian Pillman gave him that gold chain necklace back when they were the Hollywood Blondes in NWA, and he wore it. He probably still wears it today, but he wore it through his whole career, and I'm sure he actually still wears it today. And he has said multiple times in multiple interviews, it is his most cherished wrestling item that he owns, is a gold chain that Brian Pillman gave him. That is beautiful. I mean, but like you said, nobody talks about them. No. Nope. Very few people ever want to think about Stone Cold before Stone Cold. You know what I mean? And it's it's hard to blame them. Kind of, except for Stunning Steve Austin was really, really awesome. Uh, remember back in um, The Dangerous Alliance, um, it was him. Polly dangerously ran it. Paul Heyman, uh. Uh, um, Barry Windham was in it. Uh, oh, uh, Medusa was in it. Mm-hmm. A handful of other people I can't think of, but yeah, he was part of the Dangerous Alliance, which was one of the best factions ever in pro wrestling history. Stunning yeah. Steve Austin. He had it great message not... with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yeah, see, it was just I. I got introduced to Steve Austin as Stone Cold, so it's really hard to look back after that. You know what I mean? When you get in oh, on that Oh, as many floor, have. Yeah. Especially now with the the generation after us. That's yeah. all they're ever going to know of him, you know? Yep. And and rightfully so. Don't get me wrong. Nothing he did Unless in NWA, WCW was that big. to the Hall of Fame. I'd love to see him come out with a wig. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. Him, him and BPJ, or yeah, Brian Pillman Jr. Oh. And as you say that, I, I can't leave this without mentioning uh, the big rumor that was right up there with the um, it was right up there with the Marilyn Manson removing his ribs to suck his own dick rumor was that Stone Cold Steve Austin went from WCW with long hair into ECW and then in a fire match had his hair burned off and that's why he was bald in WWE. I believed that for a couple of years and I could ne- I actually looked forever in the tape trading circuit to find that tape before I realized that was bullshit. He just shaved his fucking head. <laughs> How fucking dumb. Yeah. But we were dumb. We uh, like being dumb. Oh yeah. Uh but we got two people who are not dumb. And one of them is a blonde. And that was the team known as Suri Taylor or Sarita and Taylor Wilde. They were in Impact Wrestling initially. That's where they got their name. Basically, they were the very first ever Knockouts Tag Team Champions. And, you know, this is before women tag teams were kind of a thing. 
They were also former women superstar uncensored tag team champions. Now, to be honest, they weren't together very long as Taylor Wilde would leave shortly after they got the tag team championships with Sarita following a couple years later. But their impact in Impact, again, no pun intended, and the fact that they were the very I think first... that pun was very intended. Okay, it was actually. <laughs> but the fact that they were the very first female tag team champs for a major promotion in the current era... I feel deserves more recognition than they get at all, especially when people talk about the women's evolution, revolution, devolution, nevolution, whatever they say. You never hear about that. The women's nevolution just makes me think of Neville in a dress. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I don't have a lot to say about these two, other than uh, I do want to mention that poor Sarita was just recently released with the latest uh, WWE cuts. Her real name is Sarah Stock. So we wish her the best. Um, We'll get into that later on in the news segment, but figured if we're talking about her, we should mention it. Yeah. And then next, Pasty, I have a group here that I think very few people listening to this are going to know, and... Not because they were an under-the-radar team or a group that was in some outlaw territory. No. In fact, Stevens and Patterson, composed of Ray the Crippler Stevens and Pat Patterson, um, much attention was actually given to them during their heyday, often considered one of the best teams in the world. But as time moved on, less and less this duo and they got less and less mentions by the historians and by the various pro wrestling groups the AWA and the NWA which they were big in all kind of dwindled away then you add to that Pat Patterson's turn as Vinnie Max stooge in the Attitude Era kind of became what most fans thought of good old PP <laughs> yeah old Pat and Jerry exactly but When we talk about Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson, they were tag team champions in NWA, NWA Japan, AWA, Pacific Northwest, uh, Stampede Wrestling, and NWA Canada. And at the time, believe it or not, Stevens was the main event guy. He was this star that was helping to build Pat Patterson. And today's fans only know Pat Patterson, not Ray Stevens, and Sadly, we're moving on to a generation that may not even know Pat Patterson. Yeah. Both yeah. amazing wrestlers for their time. Uh, I, I definitely recommend hitting up the um, the WWE Network and looking up some AWA matches with Stevens and Patterson because they, in historians' minds, they're going to go down as two of the best ever, ever, ever. Moving on to number three. This one might come as a shock to some. And to others, they'll be like, oh my god, they existed. Uh, The number three spot is a big one to me. And it had to go to Tyson Kidd and Cesaro. Man, I could not stand Tyson Kidd in the beginning. 
I hated when Tyson Kidd and Cesaro first started tag teaming, coming down with their Beats by Dre headphones, and and then something happened. It had to have been the night that they took on the New Day, and the fans, the New Day was came out as faces. The fans started chanting, New Day sucks. This was the first night it caught on. And they called the audible and had a double turn in the ring with no authorization by the backstage, just feeding off the energy of the crowd. And that changed everything. For them to react to the fact that the fans did not like the New Day at the time, that gave the New Day all the gateway in the world to being what they are now. Because when you give the fans what they want in that sense, they will follow them till the end of time. And all this is thanks to Tyson Kidd and Cesaro, who, in their own right, were a very, very solid tag team, playing off each other's strengths and weaknesses in a flawless and phenomenal way until Tyson Kidd's early demise and unfortunate retirement. Early demise. He's not dead, folks, okay? No. In-ring demise. <laughs> but it was still early in his career. Too early. <laughs> Wait. Oh, he was super young. If they were still, if, if Tyson Kidd was still wrestling and these guys were still a tag team, they would be up there with New Day and the Usos, probably having just as many reigns. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you mentioned, the uh, the double turn in the ring, it's like, that's a good example of if you really are listening to the fans and if you have the faith in yourself, you can go against the script and actually make something better and improve your status. Now, again, Kid and Cesaro didn't improve their status, but that's due to other circumstances. There's nothing to do that. But you look at New Day, and like you said, without these two, where's New Day? Yeah, Vince would have kept pushing them as faces, even though the fans hated them as faces. Probably the biggest or second biggest tag team in the company right now. That's debatable between them and the Usos, but it's it's literally just them and the Usos. Yeah. As the biggest, right? Yep. Yep. Otherwise, yeah, I would liken Sheamus and Cesaro to that if if they were still tagging, which they're not. No. And Sheamus is back, so that's it's it's interesting that they're not tagging again. But it makes sense, I guess. Uh, WWE sucks anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not hitting home runs. Yeah. I I guess I wouldn't know, but other than watching uh, WrestleMania, which did not hit a home run, but as of recent years, I've come to expect that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, after we'll get into this more on in the night, but after Vince got WWE declared an essential service. I, I decided they're not essential for me to pay attention to anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I can I I can kind of uh <laughs> I can agree with that. It's not essential for me to take my time yeah. to uh to do anything with them. Let's watch the ratings continue to drop. Let's all unite right now and show them just how essential they are. <laughs> I try. Remember, I tried that uh, a year ago, and ratings went through the roof. So, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, moving right on to number two. This spot had to go to a stellar tag team that the world may or may not have forgotten. And if these guys would have got the proper push, they could have been just as big as Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, the Hardy Boys. They had everything but the stature, Fat Mac. And of course, I'm talking about the Brian Kendrick and Paul London. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, these guys in their blue outfits flying all over the place were ahead of their time in WWE, <laughs> and I think that was their biggest downfall. Blue outfits. Uh, I always remembered them in the the white and black. I think um, I think London had the white and Kendrick had the black. I remember them just kind of as yin-yang, but I, I think I can kind of remember them in the blue outfits now, too. Yeah. They were obviously on SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, just you just look at the two individuals and know they weren't on Raw. Yeah. Hello, Live didn't exist yet, or that's where they would have. Or been. it would have been, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But these two, ah, they could go and they could entertain if they were a tag team and as young as they were today as they were then, they would be on par with any tag team in the world. I think. Oh, for sure. And um and both of them were just super talented solo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Um I actually I actually wish WWE would have went along with the uh their original name, the Hooligans. Yeah. Because I loved I loved that name. I I think I think they would have just gotten a little more drive as the Hooligans. Although I think they were in the wrong place and time for WWE at the time, like you mentioned, nothing was going to happen. But you know, on the same list that the name Hooligans was on, Little Rascals was probably on too. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That's that the is thing. Vince looked at them. He said they're cool. small guys, and he never thought about them again. Yeah, and um, I don't. I don't remember what the rain is. I would have to look it up, and maybe I'll have time to look it up. I don't know. But I know that they were actually the longest reigning tag team champions until the New Day broke their record. Yes. Which uh, New Day now holds. So it's like uh, it was a team that very few people talked about. The definition of underrated. They were one of the – they were the longest reigning tag team champions ever. Two-time WWE Tag Team Champions. They were um, they were over in um, is it England or Europe? I believe it's England. We'll say England. They were Insane Championship Wrestling Tag Team Champs. And back in 2007, which is actually now you know a, a generation ago, they actually won PWI's Tag Team of the Year. So these guys were. These guys were so much the shit when they were there and then became so much nothing. Like, mm -hmm. nobody, so many people listening to this, Pacey, have no the idea who we're talking about. The reason they had the longest tag team reign is because Vince forgot about the entire division while they had the belt. <laughs> you know? Vince is notorious for not giving a shit about <laughs> tag teams, so I, I would believe that. Yeah. Uh, I, I would definitely believe that. <laughs> yeah, they, the sky was the limit for these guys, though, and they deserve so much more than what they got that I had to add them to this list. I mean, they are, if you looked up in, 
an encyclopedia the definition of underrated tag teams. You're going to see a picture of these two guys right yes, there. Yes. Along with possibly pasty, the old school team of the Wild Samoans, Afa and Sika Anawai. Yes. The team actually started up in Stu Hart's Stampede Wrestling. This is way back in 1973, before uh, most of our listeners, which include your hosts, Pasty White and Fat Mac, were born. But there they won the Stampede Tag Team Championships twice. And ask anybody who's ever worked for Stampede, being a champion there is not an easy thing to do no matter what division. They then went to Vancouver and won the tag team titles there. Then they spent the majority of the 70s pasty in various NWA territories. Of course, NWA was spread out throughout the United States until 1979 when they joined the WWF. Once there, they won the tag team championships three times, believe it or not. And I know that may not sound like an underrated tag team, but honestly, they never really connected when they were there, and they never really had any memorable runs in the WWF. And uh, I hate to be that guy, but I'm going to say that's probably mostly due to the racial stereotyping of that era. Um, They were Samoans. They weren't allowed to talk. They had to be villains. They were savages. I mean, they were just never going to have a a big run. There wasn't a face Samoan until Rikishi, right? And he was still Uh, technically a heel for a lot of that. No, actually, if you discount him murdering his wife, Jimmy Snuka was a huge face Samoan back in the day. But he was the only one. That that didn't happen. And it honestly didn't happen, like you said, until... The thing makes you um, a heel, though, through and through. That's true. As and that Chris didn't Benoit. happen until either the Rock... I think Rock was faced before Rikishi. Yeah, Rock was faced before Rikishi. If murdering your wife makes you a heel, then uh, Benoit is um, 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 a Grand Slam champion heel. <laughs> <sighs> Dark side of the ring, folks. New Jack, Benoit, they have a Snooka episode. Hit them all up. God, yes. And so Dino Bravo is a good episode, watch too. on YouTube. Um, just find it, watch it. But um, these guys were such an amazing, they were so talented. Not only talented in the ring, they were legit wrestlers. They were legit badasses. Um, Their lineage goes on throughout the Samoan heritage with uh, Rikishi being Afa's son and meaning the Usos are Afa's grandkids. So, hello, it's there. And I guess you might want to mention that they were inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame in 2007. So quite a run for the uh, wild Samoans there that you just, you never, you never hear about. You never, out of all the teams we've talked about, probably wild Samoans is the one that nobody's ever heard about. And nobody's ever said, watch this a wild Samoans match. I've ever heard of them actually. There you go. I'm kidding. <laughs> I haven't seen but, very um, many matches. <laughs> but really great wrestlers, and and honestly, this was the inspiration for this uh, top ten. So I'm glad Pasty and I could work this out that they ended up being number one. Just you just there's there's tag teams you look at Brian Kendrick and Paul London where you just sit there and you think, God damn. I remember how awesome they were, and nobody else does. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, know? for me it was really tough because I wanted to put Air Boom too, but I'm like, uh, Kendrick and London was probably more so. I would agree. Part of me even wanted to toss Three Man Band up on there, but. I would disagree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you slashed Chuck and Billy, so. Yeah, well, they, they kind of slashed themselves. <laughs> Hello. No, it was more like stabbing. <laughs> All right, new Jack. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our top 10 underrated tag teams. Did you agree with us? Did you disagree with us? Let us know at facebook.com forward slash beefsticks podcast or on Twitter at beefsticks CSB. Let's argue. Tell us, Let's argue. Yeah, tell us who your underrated tag teams are. There's tag teams that Pasty and I probably don't remember or think mm-hmm. about that are dead. In fact, uh, as we said when we were talking about this, we went through the ECW one. It's like, Oh, yeah, Eliminators. Shit, they could have easily been on this list. Easily one of the best. For sure. Yes. I could I could actually see a part two of this top ten coming up sometime in the future. It'd be easy to do. Oh, <laughs> so easy because there's ones that, that both of us just took out before we even gave the list to each other. So Yeah. There's a couple part twos. I even sent you sent you an idea for another part two. But yeah, there's a few that it's like we could easily do part twos of these twos, threes, fours. As long as there's fans and there's wrestlers, by gum, we can do top tens. Yes, indeed. Especially as long as they're not giving us fucking pro- quality product, at least. Yes. For us to talk about. Mm-hmm. And not only as long as there's fans and wrestling and all of that, we can continue to do top tens. We can continue to bring you all the news each week in our Savage Sentinel. Oh, yeah. We've got a lot of heavy news for you this week, folks. We took you away from it for a minute, but we're dragging you right back into it. We're sorry. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April. Shot down in May. (laughs) Oh, I like that. That That's, was good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Woo. So, President Trump has assembled a team for his economic recovery strategy plan called the Great American Economic Revival Industry Group. I love uh, it! The Gay-rig. The Gay-rig. The Gay-rig. The Gay-rig. We like the Gay-rig. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Gay-rig. Yes. And the gay rig includes several influential figures in sports (laughs) entertainment, such as New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft, Dallas Mavericks owner, and TV shark Mark Cuban, UFC president Dana White, and of course, WWE's own Vince McMahon. Can I get a round of applause? Oh, boy. Boy, talk about a who's who of people who have been itching to get back on fucking TV. Yeah. <laughs> these these are these are four names of people who have never been shy of getting their fucking face and name put any fucking where. Yeah. Hello. Uh, Man, it's so funny. Dana White two weeks ago was getting ready to do his UFC on his own private island out of U.S. <laughs> jurisdiction. 
Uh, <laughs> WWE had gone to a pre-tape setting, which was probably better for the product, and then Vince talked to Trump and got it listed as an essential service. More details on that, of course, coming up. Oh, of course. Uh, just, just crazy. And this is like, it, that's, that's, that's Trump's group of best friends in the world right there. <laughs> you and know? you know, again, I have to just, I have to lay everything out there to be honest. First of all, yes. When you say that this group of people are now, uh, hired employees of the white house, it sounds just ludicrous. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when you think of trying to revive the economy and you talk about people such as Robert Kraft, who owns the New England Patriots and many other venues, by the way. And as when you talk about in his favor. Mark Cuban owns the Dallas Mavericks, he's on the TV show Shark, he owns how many different, like he knows about making money. Dana White. Vince McMahon, these are all people who actually know how to stimulate um, nationwide economic growth because that's literally what their jobs are. That is all their jobs are. That's all these people do is make money throughout the entire nation. That's their only job. Yeah. So – it, it's fu- it sounds so crazy when you say it, and I'll be the first one to mock it, and I'll be the first one to say that there's probably smarter people to do this and maybe it's, people who actually have better ideas. President in 2024. <laughs> Just watch out, folks. But maybe for sure, for him too. <laughs> this isn't a group of people that you could say don't have any understanding in this. These are This is a group of people that absolutely is fit for this job. But my they, argument they have is this it. is also a group of people who will put people's health at risk for the dollar for themselves. But this is not the great American health revival. This is the great American economic revival. That's what – no, legit. Isn't that what you – you shouldn't have people thinking about the health side of it. You shouldn't. That would be that would be counterproductive. Well, where are all think. your health side rock stars then? We got Fauci. That's, that's it. Like, we, I guess we, everybody who's – to be honest, everybody who shut down every fucking business that isn't running right now and is telling people to wear masks, there's a million and one health nuts fucking out there telling you what to do. We need people out here telling us how to actually get back to shit. So I wouldn't expect anybody to have any concern about that. These people shouldn't have concern about the health. Their, their job is to think about that. Now, if something they're doing hurts the health or, or is it a endangerment to the people then yes i would hope another group would bring that to their attention and i would hope that they would don't you, you think know. vince is itching to sell tickets again <laughs> that's well shouldn't he though <laughs> he should he should i mean well, like, how I, said, the fuck like are, I said last yeah. week it should be like every sixth seat has a person in it yeah i mean this i honestly this has nothing to do with the health of, of the of the American people. This has to do with the health of the economy. And these people do understand that. I will say that much. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's my feeling. Yeah. Uh, but uh, somebody who doesn't know much about the health of people, who is actually involved in the <laughs> health of people. And, also- and this is where, this is where we get into the Vince McMahon's. This is where I agree with you, Pacey, that Vince yeah. McMahon's. Sh- caring about people's health is indifferent Um, because Florida governor Ron DeSantis 
made a ruling that WWE is an essential business in the state of Florida and will stay open during shutdowns. How are they essential, you may ask? Well, you're not going to get an answer. (laughs) But when asked about the claims that the Orange County sheriffs were called to the WWE Performance Center on multiple occasions in the past several weeks, the sheriff's office released a statement saying, quote, in March and April, our deputies responded to that location several times. Each time, deputies advised the business that they were not in compliance with the executive order and that they would have to close. On April 11th and 13th, there were complaints that the business was filming during the pandemic. But by that time, an April 9th memo from the Florida Division of Emergency Management had already deemed that business essential, end quote. So WWE continued to run television tapings at their facilities in Orlando with many speculating on how they were able to continue to tape with despite the, the state's stay-at-home ordinance. It was later revealed that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, mentioned above, amended an ordinance that declared WWE as an essential business, citing their, quote, impact on the local economy, end quote. In a press conference this past Wednesday, the governor, with the, I'm I'm sorry, in a press conference this last Wednesday with the governor, the topic of Vince and Linda McMahon's relationship with the President of the United States, Donald Trump, was brought up and he was asked about their relationship having any bearing on the state's decision to allow McMahon to continue live week-to-week tapings in the Orlando area during the coronavirus pandemic, which, of course, he said, nope. But we all know that Trump is in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> like, I know. An undeniable fact. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with that, you dumbass. Oh. So basically, they were running illegally. So yeah. WWE was officially, because not all states. Now, Pasty and I live in a state where it's it's not mandated that you stay at home during X times or that places be closed, but it, it is recommended. But there are states such as Florida, such as New York, that have larger populations and have larger international travel that actually do have these for, for the proper reasons. And WWE was actually running their business illegally during that time. But then there was a retroactive act put in place by the governor of Florida that deemed them essential, quote, to the economy. Which I, I, I can't deny that. The only I would way agree. I get that, though, is if you're able to sell tickets. How do they draw the only money WWE draws without fans is money for the company? No, if they're if they're taping from their and they don't pay taxes in Florida, they pay taxes up up the coast. No, they rent from uh, their performance center is at the uh, okay uh, full cell university. I still have to pay so they're my paying for full cell university. Actually, no, you don't. <laughs> they're not they're not charging rent anymore this time. So no, you don't. But that does, that doesn't matter. You're still stimulating the economy. They they I'm gonna they, go they take tape out of full sale. Balls so I can be essential. 
You go, you go pay what WWE pays Full Sail <laughs> University, and then you can call yourself essential pasty. They're not missing the fucking two hundred and ten bucks that you give them every month, okay, buddy? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see there. It's not legit. It's not yeah. legit. Yeah, they shouldn't have been doing it. But yes, you can argue that it stimulates the economy because they're still bringing revenue to Florida, which. During the coronavirus where nobody can take vacations is taking probably one of the biggest hits of the entire country. Oh, yeah. But the fact the fact is they were doing it before it was legal. I mean, they, they have the the sheriff's report saying they were doing this before it was illegal. Well, that's because got, Vince got the money to pay the fines and shit. It's just like the tobacco stores around Minnesota. A lot of them are closed down. A lot of them aren't. And they're just they know they're going to make enough money to cover those fines and then some. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's happening a lot. Yeah crazy yeah it's uh it's something um and, and it continues to be more of something <laughs> poor vince <laughs> oh boy i don't feel this, bad for him this, this one's good just, it's, it's this tasty. one's fucking so, and ringing so, good oh uh, come on lawsuits get back on the table uh alpha entertainment's xfl's parent company filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy on monday the first business day after the league suspended operations and laid off almost all of its employees. In the paperwork, it was disclosed that WWE owned 20% of the XFL. Wait a second! <laughs> Which was an accusation that Vince McMahon had previously denied at least twice. <laughs> insisting XFL had no ties to WWE. In fact, that has been the base to many recent lawsuits filed against the WWE. And uh, I think we got a lot <laughs> more pissed off fucked. firefighters in America yeah. right now. He's really fucked on all of the <laughs> yeah. lawsuits now yeah. that they had to file for bankruptcy. Uh, 20%. Can now, we impeach Vince McMahon? Is that a thing? Like, can we impeach him from his own company? <laughs> right? <laughs> the, thing, the thing that's crazy is like... Isn't that when you look at or when you look at these multi-million-dollar companies, like people will say something like they own five percent, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's not a big deal." And it's like, it's, "No, five percent is huge." Yeah, they own twenty percent <laughs> of it. Holy shit! Especially when you think that Vince owned, oh. you know, three quarters of it. Beyond that, so what? There's five percent that's not owned by Vince or WWE. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Um, yeah, XFL, I had said from the beginning he shouldn't have tried it again. I gave him credit for trying it again. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Pacey, you gave him the benefit of the doubt. You yeah, watched a few matches. I did, and it was working. Um, it didn't work anymore. It's not going to work. He's so done. XFL is dumb. watch more football once football is already done. It's like, uh, well, and then like, when you can't like, watch football. It's like a third football. hour of Raw, if you think about it. Right. Yeah, yeah, it really is, isn't it? <laughs> So it was it was inevitable. First of all, the XFL would have died out within five no, no, years. It's not even a three hour raw. It's two hours of SmackDown followed by two oh five live. That's <laughs> what it go. is. That's about right. Uh but this is this is huge. Like XFL XFL going under isn't huge. We've already, no, we've all lived no, through that. No, but this but is gonna probably the, uh, in a lot of trouble. Yeah, the thing that he owned 20%. He's a WWE is a public that's the thing, folks. WWE is a publicly traded company. If it was just yeah. Vince, he can lie about what he owns all he wants. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Yep. But 
these these lawsuits were about people's retirement pensions. And if people don't know how 401ks work, maybe some of the younger of you don't, they take a lot of this money. You, you put in X amount of money. Your employer matches X amount of money. And they put it into the stock market in various stocks. And you choose high-risk stocks, medium-risk stocks, low-risk stocks, bonds. You get to choose whatever you want. So when they invest in the WWE stocks, they're investing in all of their employees' futures, your chance to retire, your grandchildren, everything. And when WWE lies about throwing 20% of their money at a company they know is going to fucking fail because it already did the last time, (laughs) they're literally stealing your money. Literally stealing your money. So, oh. so then do, do WWE stockholders own part of XFL then? Is that how that works? They did, but they didn't know it. But they know didn't it. know about it. So if yeah. it was successful, they wouldn't have seen anything for it? And... Um, no, no, because WWE would have brought in, if, if they were successful, WWE would have cashed in on that and WWE's profits would have shown in people invested in WWE, yes. Uh. But if they lost money... They lost fucking money, yeah. which they did. Woo. Hello. Uh. Uh, and Pasty, there's more people losing money. This is sad. Yeah. This is uh, so much of this is sad. This was hard. I tried keeping up with it on the Facebook. Like as soon as I started hearing about it, I posted on it and then I kept adding comments to it like this, this and, is what happened next. And then I gave uh, up after a time. The middle part of it is super sad for me, but also like. I, I, I will, I'll get into it when I talk about it. So for those of you, everybody knows, I'm not going to say for those of you who don't know, WWE cut at least 20 main roster wrestlers this week. Uh, probably more so since we've uh, written this up, researched, and recorded. Probably more dropping right now. We don't yeah, know. Yeah. But in what is called a cost-cutting what I know, endeavor. They haven't even really got to the SmackDown roster yet. Right. And, and, and this is – and they should – First of all, they were hoarding way more people than they ever should have. They were doing the WCW tactic, buy everybody just to have them. And with them losing money on gate sales, they can't afford them. So, and and 20% of the XFL, (laughs) hello. So, some of the bigger names on the main roster that were let go include Kurt Angle, not going to have a problem. He's 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 making money somewhere. Yeah. Rusev, real name Miroslav Barnyashev, which I didn't know. Wow, that Barnyashev, you sound you sounded like fucking fucking uh, uh I did. Shit. Just a typical Minnesota accent. Sorry. I just I just think this motherfucker like that's a better wrestling name. Yeah. Like, come on, buddy. Um, Rusev, who's been trying to get out of it? Drake Maverick, which is sad. James Curtin. They close the curtains on him. Zack Ryder, real name Matthew Cardona. Kurt Hawkins, Brian Mayers. Carl Anderson, real name Chad Allegra. Way to go, Chad Allegra. Yes, allergy prevention at its finest. Luke Gallows, real name Drew Hanskin. Hankson. Hankinson. Hankinson. <laughs> now I heard, today, gotta... I heard today that they had uh before they were let go, they were furloughed and they had also re signed five year contracts. 
I don't know if that's true, but I did hear that today. I okay, I yeah, I don't know about any of the the newest updates. I do have I some I do want to uh, stop here though and say Vince should have thought ahead and at WrestleMania he should have had Undertaker, Barry Gallows and Anderson and forced AJ <laughs> Styles to watch. There you go. That would how much better would that be right now? Like I would feel oh, so good much about better. them being fired right Hindsight now. Hindsight being 2020, <laughs> yeah. Hindsight being 2020 for sure. Just force them to watch and Undertaker would look 10 times more badass. We also got rid of Heath Slater. Nobody's going to miss him. Heath Miller, Eric Young, real name Jeremy Fritz. Um, He's never going to be big anywhere he goes. He's an asset anywhere he goes. He's yeah. never going to be huge anywhere he goes. No, I hope that he doesn't go to AEW. Rowan, <laughs> uh, real name Joseph Rudd. That's who I meant, He Rowan. doesn't deserve, he just needs to go away. Yeah. I hope he doesn't end up in AEW. That'll hurt. That'll hurt. That'll hurt. So much that'll hurt uh, Harper. Yes. Or, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Brody Lee. I'm sorry. Gordy. Um, Sarah Logan, Crazy Mary Dobson. Uh, she's going to be fine. Sarah Rowe is her name. Uh, she's going to be just fine. Crazy Mary Dobson will get a job anywhere. No way, Jose, Levi Venezuela. I didn't know he was still on there. Mike and Maria Canellis. I feel bad for them. Uh, Mike and Maria Bennett in real life. They got... Brand new twins at home. They asked for it though. What are they gonna do? You know, well they didn't. No, no, they didn't ask for the release when the wrestling business was booming, not for when it was in the shits. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Mm. Those are two different things. They'd be more than happy to stay on WWE's payroll right now <laughs> when they're not doing anything. And on the line He's, of Heath Slater, I just gotta say, if history proves anything, he's gonna bulk up have a really good short stint run in the indies, get re-signed by WWE, and be your next universal champion. Okay, Jinder And then Mahal. maybe after that, we'll finally get the three-man band reunion we've been waiting for. Not just okay. Jinder Mahal. Uh, your boy, Drew uh, Galloway. Drew McIntyre is on top Drew of the Drew Galloway right didn't bulk up at all. He's the same size he was. But no, yes, but it took I, him I agree. the indies for Vince to see him. For oh, him. yeah, 100%. I, I would love to see To he be also, fair... Heath Slater also fair, released a, a, a T-shirt that says, I got fired on pro wrestling tees, and I imagine that's selling like hotcakes. I'm, I'm going to finish up this list. I'd like to get yes. through it. But I, I, I am going to say, to be fair, like 50% of these names are going to be back within a year or two. Oh, I yeah. mean, we, we already know that. This is just this is what they're doing right now during this stuff. We understand that. Um, EC3 was let go. Michael Hutter, I'm glad to see that. They were uh -huh. doing anything with him. Aiden English was let go. Matthew Rodwalt. Leo Rush surprised me, Lionel Green. Uh, Primo and Epico, Edward Colon and Orlando Colon Neves. And referee Mike Chioda, who is at, or Mike Chioda, I should say, who has been with the WWE since 1989, was let go. It was probably after Kurt Angle, the biggest surprise. Yeah, yeah, Mike Chioda, man. Beyond Earl Ebner, he's like the guy. You know what I mean? It's like. It hurts to see that he was let go. He's he's a ref that actually matters in WWE, and that's so rare. It's rare nowadays in wrestling for refs to matter, which is sad but true because they used to tell a whole bunch of the story. But WWE Pacey isn't start stopping at wrestlers either. A number of backstage employees have been furloughed, as Pacey um, alluded to earlier. Now, for those of you listening who don't know what furlough means, Furlough means that you are still on the books, you are still an employee, you are still uh, a part of the company, 
But what's happening is they no longer require your services and you're no longer being paid. But when you get brought back, or if you get brought back, you're brought back at your same salary, at your same tenure, uh, at, at your same uh, um, stance. Like, you, you, you come back exactly as you were. Yeah. So it's basically... A temporary layoff coming back as you were. And actually, a lot of these names have already gone through that, so I'm not too worried about them. But the names are kind of huge. we got Dave Finley, who, of course, has been furloughed twice before and came back within a year. Lance Storm is one of the biggest names because, as we reported here a few months ago, Pasty, he actually just shut down his wrestling school to travel with WWE full-time yeah. to be a producer. Yep. Ouch. Yeah, Fucking yeah. ouch. That hurts. Um, Davari, hometown boy, Minnesota, yee Billy Kidman, who again has been furloughed before and brought back. Shame Helms. Scott Armstrong, although as of now his brother Brian Armstrong, known to most of you as uh, Road Dog Jesse James, is actually still a producer. The biggest name for me, Kerwin Silfies. Now, a lot of you might not know Kerwin Silfies. Right? No, not not Chavo Guerrero's uh, uh, golfer gimmick. Kerwin Silfies is one of the best producers in the industry ever, hands down. And at this point is the longest tenured employee WWE has had, joining the WWF back in 1985. Damn. Every good shot that you see watching WWE is Kerwin Selfies. Every bad shot you see is Kevin Dunn. Just make a mental note of that. (laughs) I was really surprised and pleased to see that Joseph Park has still got a producer job with WWE. That surprised the shit out of me. I thought he was going to be let go, and then I'm like, well, there goes anything with The Fiend. I got two frames of mind. One is maybe he's let go and he wasn't a big enough name that we've heard about it yet. And the but second Shane is Helms maybe. List. Well, everybody knows Shane Helms, so I think I think yeah. maybe not. Yeah, no. I... But um, my second thought was maybe since he's so much newer, his contract is so much less that they're willing to keep him, and that's a positive thing because yeah. his mind is brilliant. Yes, yes, it is. Um, and we also got NXT cuts, though, Pasty. It's not just main roster and behind the scenes. Um, NXT stars who have yet to really make their mark, who are being cut, includes um, nobody I know of other than a handful of the names, and I'm sorry because it's, I've fallen behind on NXT, but oh, MJ Jenkins, Alexander Jaxix, Diana Perrazzo, um, uh, Tayanara Conti, Cesar Bonani, Mars Wang, and interviewer Josiah Williams. But the plus thing about this, these guys in development, these guys and gals, I should say, in development, it's being reported, at least from Fightful.com, that, quote, NXT talent is provided 30 days of pay and are free to do whatever they want. And with that being said, I should note that as far as Beefsticks podcast is heard, everybody released on this cut has no um, 90-day non-complete contract, yeah. except, and there's a big asterisk here, 
huge asterisks. No fucking wrestling companies are doing anything for 30, 60, 90 days. Right. So they and and the ones that are aren't gonna hire new people anytime yeah. soon. So there literally is an yeah, Vince is like, congratulations, you can go where you want. Yeah. Big oh smile. fuck, there's nobody there. <laughs> when he called when he called Sayonara Conti, do you think he said Sayonara Conti? I hope he did. I hope he did. That's all he said and then hung up and that's that's our Sayonara Conti. <laughs> Um, yeah. I think he made so, yeah, Triple it's H like, call all of them to be. It's honest. like, I think it's great that they're, they're, it's not even great. They're doing, the only reason they're doing the right thing by not putting in the non-compete is because you can't fucking compete. Like, it's yeah. not even them doing a good thing. Right. There's they just nothing the you can face. fucking do. Yep. yep. Vince is in a heyday right now. God damn. And, and like, let's not, like, let's I'm not you, this out of proportion either. This is the exact point of the year every year where we have some cuts. Well, that that is true also. And that is legitimately true, although there probably would have been less this year yeah. because of AEW existing. Yeah. But honestly, right? Mm-hmm. He was gonna keep people he was gonna do the Ted Turner thing <laughs> and keep people on the budget just so nobody else had him, right? Exactly. But like right now, there might be one or two names, but let's be honest. AEW is the biggest one. Impact's the second biggest one. New Japan, or well, New Japan, AEW, Impact, AEW, New Japan are tied. Impact's probably the third. But nobody's gonna hire anybody new right now because yeah. they can't afford to pay the people they have. Exactly. Like they're losing money. So get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's WWE. Uh, it's some shit. WWE will do anything to screw anybody they can. Uh huh. I'm looking forward to hearing a lot of these voices speak out too, especially since WWE was just considered an essential service. It's essential, <laughs> but they're not essential. No, you're not essential. Sorry, we Sarah are. Logan, you're not essential. No way, Jose is not essential. I'm essential. You're not essential, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, just some shit. But you know what? There is a company who uh, who thinks their employees are essential, pasty. Yes, yes, there is. And thank God for Ring of Honor, who are paying all of their talent what they're owed for any canceled shows and appearances. This goes beyond just their in-house wrestlers and extends to ring crew, referees and talent they were bringing in for events like the planned women's world title tournament in fact for international talent that was flying into the united states as cancellations became a reality ring of honor ensured that they were on a flight right back home on ring of honor's money god vince wouldn't do that no no (laughs) fuck no not at all Well, some talent come in to film non-wrestling segments for the now-airing best-of broadcasts. The others never left the airport. This is, I mean, this is one of those Facebook videos that people share where it's like the, the, the cat saved the dog from getting run over or something. It's like, wow. Wow, way to see. Marty ROH Stewart's is no... such a villain after all. <laughs> ROH isn't... WWE, AEW, New Japan, or even at this point, Impact. Yeah, you know? they're they're the bottom of the barrel right now. 
when it comes but to But holy fans, fuck, if they're not they're doing the right fucking thing. And yeah. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's tax write-offs. I'm sure there's this, that, or the other. I'm sure I'm sure there's anything, but every one of these companies could do that same thing for their employees. Mm-hmm. So if, if ROH can do the tax write-off, so can WWE, so can AEW, so can you know everybody can. They're doing it. They're going out of their way to do it. And the fact where it says like even people that were coming in for the women's world title tournament, I, I can almost imagine they can't get a tax write-off for those people. Yeah. So I'm sure they're not actually employees. Right. Wow. Good on Holy them. fucking wow. Good on them. Never been more. Pr- I, I I've been I've been so um, ROH has dropped so much in my in my mind lately. As far as in ring work, but wow, they just jumped so far in my mind as far as a, a company. Yeah. Holy shit. And another another uh, not just another company, an entire community that's coming together right now, which I wish we know the United States has always been about fighting and never about unity, so this would never happen. But promotions in Japan and in the whole Japanese wrestling community pasty have united together to protect their employees during this global pandemic, including its wrestlers. New Japan Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Noah, Stardom Wrestling, All Japan, DDT, Pro Wrestling Diana and Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. There's a lot of companies there, Pacey. Nobody listening to this has ever heard of. I like the idea of Pro Wrestling Diana. Is that Princess Diana? Do they resurrect her? She's still there, dude. She never died. (laughs) All of these wanted to be a wrestler. (laughs) All of these, all of these promotions met up with legendary Hiroshi Hase. And the Japanese Minister of Education, Culture, Sports, Science, and Technology, to discuss what can be done to protect them, to protect his employees financially as the country deals with the halt of running live events. Now, as I think most people know, in Japan, pro wrestling's held on an extremely religious level, like sacred level, yeah. much more so than in the United States. And probably uh, Mexico is somewhere in the middle. Canada is somewhere in the middle. United States just thinks it's a fun joke, and that's cool. But um, a joint proposal was made on behalf of the eight companies to have COVID-19 testing kits available to its talents in the supply initially meets the needs of the individual taking the virus head-on. Now, in addition to the Japanese In addition to that, the Japanese government is financially assisting pro wrestling employees that find themselves not garnering any income due to live entertainment being shut down. Now, that doesn't say they're paying them their full salary, but when we talk about the old uh, sneaky Japs pulling a Pearl Harbor on us sort of racism... Wow, the Japanese government is is helping out all of these pro wrestling, all of these pro wrestlers who who can't make a living. Awesome, it's amazing. it's amazing. People come together in hard times, pasty. Sometimes, not Americans, but other people do. Other people die in hard times. Americans die in hard times. And so do Mexicans as we enter into our 
Weekly obituaries, which doesn't come up every week, thank God. <laughs> right, this thank week, God. This week it comes a little harder. Um, but we'll get right into it. Mexican luchador Black Demon succumbed to health complications, including but not specifically COVID-19, and passed away on April 13th. He was only 39 years old. This uh, uh, There's a dot there, sorry. This is the first yeah, reported death in pro wrestling that stems from the COVID-19 outbreak. Black Demon, whose real name was Robert Mu- Munoz Carrillo, wrestled under the promotion Pedregan Rojo, based out of Sonora, Mexico, and was recent winner of the company's 2020 Red Pendragon Cup back in February. Yeah, this is the first time COVID-19 has penetrated the uh, wrestling market as far as we know. Yeah. And it's funny because Mexico is one of the least affected nations. So it's kind of wild that out of the Asian nations, the European nations, and the North American nations. Well, you got to assume testing probably isn't so great down there either. So their numbers aren't right. That would be my guess. A po- places, yeah. A lot of places in America, the numbers aren't right because the testing isn't where it's. A lot of places in America. Yeah, a lot of places in America don't know how. Yeah, that's that's super true. Mm. Um, we wish the best to his uh, family and friends, of course. Yes. And uh, another folk that we that we wish we wouldn't have to talk about, but we knew it was we knew it was coming. It Hopefully had, not this soon, but we knew it was coming. Legendary ring announcer Howard Finkel passed away this last Wednesday evening at age 69. I gotta say, I thought he was already passed away. <laughs> I thought he was past 69, to be honest, the last <laughs> time I seen him recorded. Uh, the Fink started working for the WWWF in 1977, pasty. Wowza. Hot damn. Finkel was WWE's first or WWWF, if you want to get into it, and longest tenured employee and was elected into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2009. Finkel also had some memorable in-ring moments, most of them including uh, getting stripped down or stripping other people down, and that included a 1995 rivalry with Harvey Whippleman that culminated in a tuxedo match as well as a 2002 feud with Lillian Garcia, which was capped off in a tuxedo-slash-evening-gown match. <laughs> After taking on a lighter schedule, Finkel did make a few more sporadic appearances in WWE, including serving as CM Punk's in-ring announcer at the 2011 Survivor Series event. And at Raw's one thousand at the Raw one thousand episode in twenty twelve. Yeah, although probably the last time I ever saw him, probably the last time you've seen him. Although you and probably younger fans may know his voice better from some of his voiceover work for the WWE Dirt Cheat, the Edge and Christian Show, in addition to his appearances on WWE Legends House and yes. other. WWE Network exclusive products. I don't know anybody who watches the WWE Dirt Sheet. I didn't know this was a thing until we put this (laughs) thing up here. I don't know what it is. No, I remember his work on the Edge of Christian show, though. That was good stuff. 
and we miss him. I mean, uh, I mean he, he was just going to be sorely missed. That's that's a, for certain. He's a voice of a. He's he's not just a voice. Of, I'd say he's a voice of two, two Ooh, and a half, three maybe three generations yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, he grew a lot in those times, but we all have. Hello. <laughs> that was me slapping my belly, folks. Yes. Uh, oh. Yeah, this was a tough one to hear. I'm glad it wasn't uh, COVID related. I was worried about that when I first heard it. But uh, right. Ugh. Oof. That's about all you have to say is oof. Hey, it's it's more than what Vince said in his tweet about about Howard Finkel. What did he say? I didn't see his tweet. He, it was just like he was a wonderful friend and made so many matches more memorable with his voice. And it was like very like it was like the cookie cutter we wish you the best in your future endeavors almost right and it was like god damn you'd think he would be more special to vince well i'm sure vince doesn't even fucking look at his twitter right. that was somebody who well, i mean listen, vince doesn't even vince know he's dead the rock's dad <laughs> yeah vince doesn't even know he's fucking dead let's be honest and if he did he'd probably say something like he did about the rock's dead rocky johnson yeah that was Woo, folks, yeah. go back. I don't remember which episode that is, but go back and listen to the archives on that one. Yeah, find that shit. I never did hear anything else about it beyond what we reported and heard that week. Oh, that's because I made it up. Nice. I know, man. Anything for the ratings. Hey, if any, if other, if other journalistic out uh, uh, people could do it, so can we. Exactly. Yes. Oh, with that being said, Pasty, I think it's time for us to uh, COVID ourselves right out of this 19. Yes. You think Trump was trying to warn us all years ago when he tweeted Kofifi? I think, I think it was. <laughs> he just, he's seen a vision from the future. He just couldn't quite, it. he's not the best reader. He couldn't quite interpret it, you know, and it came out, Kofifi. <laughs> and uh, we all laughed. Look at us now, bitches. <laughs> Look at us now. I tried to tell all of you. You just didn't listen. Uh, but thank you for listening and sticking around to the end of the show. Find us on social media and interact with us because uh, we could use that in these times. and We could all use a little bit more unity. Uh, for Cloud Style Broadcasting, Beef Sticks Podcast, I've been Pasty White. Minus the white sometimes. And I am Fat Mac. Always the Mac. Most of the fat. The most times. Ah, uh, yes. We're out of here. But we'll see you next week with more fun and games, folks. We're going to ah! train a rolling. <laughs>